We have St. Louis Post-Dispatch Metro columnist and Pulitzer Prize Award winner Tony Messenger on this week's Renew Gurus. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. I'm Executive Director James Owen coming to you live from our palatial North Columbia studios Joining me on the boards, as always, Philip Forsica, also from the Columbia studio. Hi, Philip. Hey, how's it going? Well, good. We've got a big... Oh, <laughs> I just saw the mug. I, we have a really good guest. I'm really excited about this guest. This is a guy I've known for uh, close to 15 years, back when he was at the Springfield Newsleader, and I was a fledgling Democratic candidate in Springfield. Uh, now he is a columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. He is uh, a Pulitzer Prize winner on his work involving uh, kind of how creditors and the, um, and the court system kind of deal with folks and uh, incarcerating them as far as when they have debts that are behind. That's a lot of significant work that Tony has done. Tony Messenger is who I'm talking about. Hey, Tony, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, James? Good. Yeah, I just saw. Okay, so I just started laughing because I saw your I got mugged by Tony mug. But this is this uh, is the coffee mug. Of course, the people listening can't see this, but this I know. is the this is the coffee mug that uh, uh, you probably have one somewhere that uh, when I was the editorial page editor in Springfield, we did as a promotion uh, for a blog that I had. And uh, mm -hmm. I still have it. It's a great mug. I still have mine too. It is very, it does not look as crisp as that one. Mine is very faded. You can barely <laughs> read it. Uh, <laughs> but I still have it. I remember we met at the, uh, this is going to go local for some of our Springfield people. I, we met at the Mud House on there on South yep. Street. Yep. And that was when I was taking on BJ Marsh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who was at the time, the most senior uh, state rep in the in the state because he had been a state rep before term limits. And so none of that counted. And so he had been a state rep for uh, from 2000 to 2006. I think he'd been there from like 86 to 90 when Mike Schilling beat him. Um, and so then I was running against him and got a whopping 44% against him, which is better than a lot of people thought. But, you know, like horseshoes and hand grenades. <laughs> Almost, politics, doesn't count. Almost, doesn't Almost count. doesn't count in politics. Yeah. <laughs> and so then I went on. Yeah. So, um, so Tony, okay. I, I had you on, I mean, you are, I, I think, I hope our listeners are familiar with your column. I hope they're familiar. I, I kind of jumbled up the work you've done, but you have done a lot of work on how the court system deals with people who have debts that they've gone to court for and how that sometimes results in incarceration I think I just put it a lot better than I did when I tried to introduce you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but that, that was what we got the Pulitzer Prize for, wasn't it? It, it? it is. And I'm, I'm writing a book on it now on, on sort of the criminalization of poverty nationally. If anybody listening wants to pre-order that book, they can just Google Macmillan and Tony Messenger or Google Profit and Punishment. And you'll go to my website and uh, be able to pre-order the book. It comes out December 7th. Uh, wow. You mentioned you mentioned Springfield on the day the book comes out. I'll be speaking at the uh, uh, Springfield Public Library. So uh, oh, anybody who wants to wants to come out and uh, uh, get a signed copy of the book on December 7th, come to the Springfield uh, Public Library. It's one of the branches. It's not the downtown library. 
Um, and uh, and then I'll be in Como, uh, where you yeah. live, uh, on yeah. I think December 9th at Skylark Books. So, yes, downtown that is downtown Columbia. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, if you, I mean, those are like, if those are available online, like especially the one with Springfield with the public library, I'll, I'll send that out with the email we send this on to our supporters so they can see that. But I'll cool. also, I'll, we'll also link to your pre-order uh, because I, I'm looking forward to reading the book. Um, and uh, I, I always read your columns, uh, which is why the reason I have you on here today. Yeah. <laughs> In addition to wanting to plug your book, because I do want people to read it, is a couple of weeks ago, I think on the 5th of October, you published a column in regards to Ameren, Missouri's rape case. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So uh, for everyone who doesn't have the background on this, uh, we have talked about this in some of our emails. Ameren, Missouri, the largest utility in the state, 1.2 million customers, primarily servicing people uh, on the eastern side of the state, primarily um you know, I think most of the population center is in St. Louis City or St. Louis County, uh, St. Louis metro area. They are seeking a, a sizable, sizable rate increase uh, from their customers. And one of the reasons that Ameren, Missouri has cited this uh, for this need for this increase is because they have invested a lot of money into wind farms, wind projects, specifically in northern Missouri, northeast Missouri, northwest Missouri, and um, that that's the main focus of their rate increase, I think, as I as I understand it. Renew Missouri is involved and intervened in that case. We have not done very much work with that case, um, but we are we are involved with it. Um, and so, in Mr. Messenger, in his column, was talking a little bit about his some of his, the concerns he raised about about the the problem he saw with seeking that increase from ratepayers. I'm kind of getting, I'm getting the gist of this, I think a little bit. Right. Right. And one of the, 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 yeah, go ahead. The biggest thing, the biggest thing that I focused on is uh, following uh, my colleague, Bryce Gray's reporting that, you know, the, the, the wind farm in Northeast Missouri has had to be idled at night Mm -hmm. um, because of uh, killing bats. Um, and, and, and so the column really addressed two different things. One, the importance of bats, because it's one of those things that a lot of people mm-hmm. don't think about very often. Uh, and, and, and two, the, the problem that I have with um, Ameren getting reimbursed for the portion of the, the, the cost as it relates to idle their uh, wind farm at night uh, because they were warned by scientists before they placed the wind farm where they were going that they were likely to have a bat problem. Mm-hmm. So that was the that was the place that 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 I came down, um, sort of agreeing with the current Office of Public Counsel right. uh, that that they shouldn't be reimbursed for uh, their mistake in putting the, the the wind farm somewhere where they were going to kill bats and. Right. Um, you emailed me and 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 told me you disagreed with that. I did. <laughs> yeah. Because because we've known each other for a long time. And I thought, like, well, I could write this letter to the editor, but like, why don't I just write him and say, hey, we should we should talk about this in like some public forum. I, I think I initially suggested uh, a follow-up column. And then I thought the idea was well, like, wait a minute, I've got a podcast. We're a couple of white guys. We should just like do a podcast about it. <laughs> white guys do. Uh yeah, because I so the, yeah, so then the things I raised, I mean. 
Yeah, because I mean, look, I get it. it. It looks extremely wasteful, right? Like you have this big investment in wind farms. You are not running those things at night. It looks bad. Now, I think what I said in my response was, you know, before this rate case, uh, there was a, you know, Ameren sought permission from the Public Service Commission to build these things, to get a certificate of right. convenience and necessity, or as we call them in our world of TLAs, three-letter acronyms, a CCN. And, you know, the Missouri Department of Conservation was involved with that. The Office of Public Counsel was involved with that. We were involved with that. And one of the things that did come up was about wildlife mitigation, which, look, is a big issue, a concern that you have with wind farm siding. Um, in addition to just bats, you have birds. There's bird migrations going on. Uh, there are patterns that are having to be followed. And you know, almost anywhere you could put a wind farm, there's going to be issues like that. Um, and so our position was, well, as long as like, you know, the federal guidelines and state guidelines are being followed, uh, you know, those are pretty specific. They're pretty, I mean, I think they're strict. Uh, and, you know, and everyone and the Missouri Department of Conservation seemed to agree with that. Um, and so that was approved. Now, obviously, the Office of Public Counsel did not agree with that. They appealed that decision. They appealed the decision to allow them to do this. And they lost the Court of Appeals. Um, and so I guess, you know, my thought is, I mean, I guess my question is, um, I mean, you, you, you took issue with where they put this, uh, where they put this wind farm at. I mean, do you, I mean, I, I just, I guess my question is, I think you're always going to have problems with these no matter where you put them. And, and so you either have to make a decision like, well, do we want to engage with wind farm with, with wind energy generation or do we not because we think the environmental concerns are far outweigh any benefits? Right. So are, are you suggesting that and, and, and I, I don't know the answer to this. Are you mm, suggesting right. that um, Ameren didn't have much of a choice? There's not there, there's not a lot of place you could put one in Missouri in which you're not going to have the problem with bats. I mean, I think, well, I think it's not just Or bats. other migratory birds or Yeah, whatever. I think right. it's bats, it's birds. And I think that like, there's, I mean, like, listen, I don't know case by case, like about every wind farm. I mean, I know there's a lot of wind farms in Northern Missouri. You're starting to see more wind farms in Southwest Missouri. But I would say like, you know, wind farms worldwide kill about three to 400,000 birds a year, mm -hmm. right? That is true. Uh, I just, I guess I don't know if there's anywhere you could put them where that would not be a problem. Mm -hmm. And so then I have to ask myself, well, we are doing everything we can, or I should say, excuse me, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah. Ameren's doing it, or the people who own these wind farms are doing it to try to mitigate that loss. I mean, so, I mean, I guess my thought is like, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I mean, you, you're talking about like, this was a bad place to put this. I mean, do you think that um, I mean, I guess, I guess, do we think that the, um, well, now I've already lost my question. Well, well part of, <laughs> part of my, part of my argument is um, Ameren almost always gets what Ameren wants, at least to some degree. They've, right. they've weakened the office of public counsel. Mm. They have tremendous sway in uh, the legislature and the executive yeah. branch. And as I pointed out in, in a little bit of a throwaway line in the column, 
the the revolving door between the governor's office and 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 Ameren is continuing right now. The former director right. of economic development, Rob Dixon, is now joining Ameren. I mean, that's that that company's pattern. They, they aren't the only company that does that, but I, I I tend to to fall on the side of making it as hard as possible for them. Mm-hmm to increase their rates because they have a consistent pattern of increasing them higher than they need to. And we end up seeing that in uh, grossly exaggerated CEO pay and uh, shareholder benefits as compared to benefits for ratepayers yeah. and taxpayers in general. And, and I get that's your larger point. And that's something where I can talk a little bit about. Look, I, as some people that listen to this podcast knows, I used to be public counsel briefly. <laughs> It was towards the end of Governor Nixon's term. Uh, I did it. Um, it was a pretty controversial period <laughs> as far as uh, some of the stances our office took, uh, which I thought were, you know, very much in the public's best interest. The utility companies. Yeah, it's a hard, listen, that's a hard job where you have very powerful people, pardon the pun, <clears throat> uh, who don't like when you're good at the job. Right. And so what you've seen now uh, since in the past five years is you've seen one, you've seen the Office of Public Counsel lose the uh, they don't get funded from assessments from utility companies. We've lost Mm -hmm. that now. It comes from the general appropriations, uh, which I think is problematic. And two, you also see them get really hamstrung. Uh, from the last two administrations, from Eric Greitens' administration and from Governor Parsons' administration, and I do listen. I listen. I do think. I do think Amron should have to prove this case. I think they should have to justify and defend every decision they make. Um, I think you know, and I think where I was, and I I understand your larger point on that, and I could spend uh, this whole time talking about you know my concerns with how um, how you know utilities are regulated in this state, and maybe we will. Um, I think, you know, my, my larger thing is, you know, I just want to make sure that, uh, you know, I think you, you said it in your column that clean energy is good. It's a good goal to obtain. Um, and I think, you know, I, I don't know about, and I think that, you know, ultimately I'm just trying to figure out, um, you know, if, you know, we've got a lot of information out there about wind and I'm just trying to make sure that people see both sides of it. Is really so is, is 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 your fear in part that if Ameren is limited in trying to get reimbursed uh, what they think they need to make the wind farm justifiable, that they will be less committed to clean energy in the future? I think, yeah, I think that is kind of what my concern is um, now. I mean, whether or not you, you know, the question of should this be paid for by ratepayers? Should this be accounted for from shareholders? I mean, that's a that's a valid question. I know they can seek this from ratepayers, so they do. Right. Um, and those laws have been made easier for them to do that. I mean, just three years ago, in 2018, literally on the last day Eric Reitens was in office, he signed the bill that made it easier uh, for them to account for some of the um, for some of the decisions they made. Right. Uh, you know, and, and kind of tied the hands of regulators on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, look, I think I, I think it is in a precarious spot right now where, you know, the utilities do have this system set up 
in Missouri where they can get re ratepayers to pay for these things. And yeah, I'm I and they've been so coal heavy in the past. I mean, like we were talking about not that long ago, Ameren, as well as all the other utilities in Missouri, were like almost like 80 percent reliant on coal. Right which I also think is bad <laughs> right? for wildlife and, and, and for, and for birds and bats and that sort of well, thing. Well, and for, for humans and, yeah. and, you know, living near those coal plants, particularly in the St. Louis region. Especially in the St. Louis area. And I think one thing I pointed out uh, in my, in my email to you was it's like traditionally the neighborhoods that are near coal plants are minority majority neighborhoods. Those are a lot yep. of African Americans live there. Hispanic Americans live there because it's, I mean, it's cheaper to live there. Yep. That's why they live there because they can't make as much money. So they want to live in a house. They go where the houses are cheap. That's near coal plants. And that's really bad for them. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I'm I'm very much look, you know, sitting here in the Renew Missouri office, I get paid to do this work. <laughs> I get paid to, to, to support renewable energy and energy efficiency. But yeah, so I do worry that if they don't get that reimbursement, that they won't do it. I do worry about that. Yeah. You know. Um, so maybe we just solved their problem. What's okay. their, what's their percentage? What have they gone from in terms of coal versus clean energy in the last few years? Do you know? Um, you know, I, you know, I, it, it varies so much. I have heard everywhere from like, it's gone from 80% to 60%. I've also seen it's gone just to 70%. Um, but I, you know, like that depends on the day that, and, and some of those numbers, Philip, am I, am I talking out of my, out of my sleeve here? Am I right? Am I close on that? I can verify for you. Okay, thanks. He'll give that to me in my earpiece. <laughs> I, yeah, I think, I mean, because I'm almost certain that like maybe Ameren's down to 60%, but like the state at overall is 70, which is still okay. like less than it was. Um, but, uh, you know, needs to be better. Needs to be better. And I think the other thing too is like, and I think maybe I get really sensitive to this because, um, like, let's say right now, Tony, uh, you used to work for the Columbia Daily Tribune. You lived in Columbia yep. for, for a while. Um, I think that's when I first started reading you. Um, back in the older days of the internet when I <laughs> when I could find those columns. Um, you know, right now in Boone County, we're dealing with a situation uh, where the Boone County Planning and Zoning Commission has, a, has uh, submitted these ordinances that would basically ban wind production in, in Boone County, just in Boone County. And the commission, which is all three Democrats, Dan Atwell, Janet Thompson, uh, Justin Aldred, who's very new, he beat Fred Perry last year. Um, they are, they might very well pass this, uh, which would basically mean that like even in Northern Boone County where, you know, is more sparsely populated than right. other country county, couldn't build wind at all. And what I hear from- Why, why are they, why are they pushing that? Well, I'll tell you why. I think, well, here's the thing I think, and this is just, and maybe this will help explain, like you, you have a lot of people up in that part of the county and look, they move to the country. They like living in the country. You know, if you were to really ask them point blank, they really don't want to look out their window and see wind turbines in their, in their view. Right. Uh, but they come out and they say things like, this is killing birds this is killing bats they're making them extinct uh this is causing migraine headaches because of the um flickering effect of the shadow uh this is you know the the, the red lights at night are keeping me from sleeping they're so loud i can't sleep and all of these things are not 
I mean, they're either exaggerated or there's no scientific evidence for them. Now, granted, I know there's scientific evidence that says that birds and bats do suffer consequences from having, you know, from from having wind turbines put up that I get. Uh, Same way with skyscrapers. A lot of birds get killed by skyscrapers every year. Um, So I I think like they use these. um, Oh, look at this. 69% 69% coal, 25% nuclear, 5% renewable, 1% gas. Okay, for Ameren, yeah. For Ameren. Yeah, and then when you look at, like, let's say our old stomping grounds at Springfield, they get 40% of their power now, give or take, from wind. On a given really? Day. Yeah, but they're buying it from, like, Oklahoma and Kansas. Okay. Um, and so, you know, they're not, they're not, City Utilities doesn't have that, like, purchased or anything like that. So that's good. Thanks, Philip. Um. So I'm glad I have a producer on this. I get to look smart. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, um, so, I mean, I just, I hear people who I know have ill motives about this and I hear them like, I mean, Donald Trump did this, right? Like Donald Trump. I mean, I always try to point this out. I go on a lot of conservative talk radio, um, which I find is actually much more receptive to this than I, than I would think because I mean, it's literally like going off the grid, right? Like they want to have solar panels on there because they're like, you know, prepping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, he would always talk about like, oh, we're killing eagles and we're killing millions of birds and everything else. But the reason he didn't like wind, I mean, like everything else he did was because when he owned, well, I guess he owns a Scottish golf course that they put wind turbines offshore from and he fought it for years, fought it. But then, like like every other policy thing that's kind of more geared towards his self-interest, um, he tried to make it seem like wind was bad. And then he literally said something like wind causes cancer or something at some point. <laughs> so, I mean, like really what, I, what I'm just trying to do is provide a perspective that, you know, I think when I wrote you, I was want to provide a perspective that I think, um, you know, there was a lot of effort at first to mitigate this problem. People knew about those mitigation efforts. They're doing it. And maybe like the fact that, yeah, they shut them down at night, but my gosh, like the nuclear power plant shuts down like six months every two years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, so I think, so I guess my point is no energy source is perfect. (laughs) No, um, no source of energy is without waste. And I'll say that about solar and wind. I mean, that's obvious. There is there are a lot of concerns who legitimate concerns about like where the batteries are coming from, how those are mined, how those are like, they're, they're not very environmental. Yeah. I get all that. I get all that. And I get that. Like, um, like wind also does have this problem with, uh, wildlife issues. Solar has issues with wildlife issues. Like when Ameren or Evergy or Liberty want to build a solar plant, we have to talk about snakes and lizards and whether or not they are getting proper, um, oh, what's the phrase? Because the solar plant takes so much uh, ground cover. Yeah, so they're not getting like the proper, like they're, they're getting too much shade, basically. And I'm not, and I'm not insensitive to that. I am very sensitive to that, but I, I have to think like, well, look, the Missouri Department of Conservation is involved with this stuff. I trust them. I think they understand wildlife stuff better than the Public Service Commission does. Yeah. And I, I certainly hope that's the case. I mean, now, so the question is, who pays for that? Look, I get it. I think uh, I get your concern about that. I mean, right now, like if you look at uh, 
Missouri compared to the rest of the country, our rates are still relatively low. They could be lower. Um, I think, you know, people are worried about them being higher. Uh, but I, you know, like one thing I usually want to kind of ask you about this. Do you, do you feel like, because look, I, I don't think it's a Republican issue necessarily. I mean, there are a lot of Republicans in the legislature because I talk to a lot of Democrats who you might think are climate focused, environmental focused, but you know, they listen to unions too. And unions really like utility companies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I because they, I mean, you look at historically in, in Missouri, the, how powerful the utilities have been Right on, on the phone side, you got AT&T on the energy side, you got, you know, Ameren and Spire, former Laclede and, you know, right. they all have big union workforces and those union workforces like to keep their jobs and and, yeah. and 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 so you know never mind that sometimes they advocate for policies that are actually bad for working families but uh in terms of both the higher rates and um health and everything else but i get it yeah. you know the it, there's a lot of good union jobs at um at the big utility companies it is interesting to me that it's not a bigger issue with the legislature like, I mean, I understand the utility legislation. I understand energy policy is like almost intentionally difficult to, to, to penetrate as far as like you make it difficult. You put in all these like fancy terms, those TLAs I talked about, those three letter acronyms. And so people say like, well, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Um, but, you know, like one of the things that we've dealt with for the last two years, and I kind of I kind of wanted you on here because I, I was interested in talking to you about this. You know, one state rep down in my neck of the woods from Marshfield has introduced a bill to try to, like, put quip into place the construction oh. work in progress. Yeah. I mean, like that was I was actually voted on by voters. Now, granted, it was a long time ago. It was 1976. Right. Um, but the legislature but, already already tried a couple of times to bring it back. And. Right. Um, I, I think pretty clearly fought it, you know, fought yeah. it. Uh, but again, that was before the current state of our, of our weird politics right now. So I'd, I'd be afraid that if quip comes back, it could pass. Yeah, it, it is. I, I think one year, uh, well, in 2020, it was, you know, back, we had a hearing on it. I mean, I literally remember Tony, the last time I was in the legislature before it got shut down for COVID was to oppose this legislation. Mm -hmm. um, and then everything shut down like a week later. <laughs> yeah. But then, but then, but then, even though that committee, the, the House Utility Committee did not vote on it, they did not vote on that bill. It got put into another piece of legislation from the floor. Yeah. And just got voted in. And then, I mean, you know, the Senate didn't do anything with it. Uh, it got taken out again. I'm actually trying to remember if like that bill actually went anywhere. I can't remember whether it did or not. Nothing, nothing much got passed in 2020. Um, but, you know, to me, that like is a big deal. That's trying to be overturned. Yeah. Um, and, I agree. Yeah. And I mean, and like, and, and everyone is so dismissive, like the lawmakers are so dismissive Oh, that was a long time ago. That was, you know, 44, 45 years ago. Uh, lots changed since then. I don't yeah, know the states changed. that have it have have <laughs> lost billions and billions of dollars in nuclear plants that either never got built right. um, or got built very poorly and, 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 and in a very expensive fashion and cost taxpayers. I mean, 
if I remember right, there's problems with Quip in Florida and Georgia and South Carolina. Yep. Uh, and and all of uh, the, the loser with Quip is always consumers. Always, always. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina, they got a $4 billion hole in the ground that people are paying for. Yeah. In Georgia, they've got a, a nuclear power plant that was supposed to have been done already they're now talking about 2027 2028 and they're not even really sure it's going to get done by then i mean over 32 years we have not finished a nuclear power plant in this country yeah and i guess you know like where i'm going with that because i kind of just went off on a tangent away from when but i guess why i mean is it is it is it just because the the utility companies are so influential that you don't see any lawmakers you know, really fighting for consumer rights here. That seems like that should be a really popular topic. I, I would think so, but there's, there's, there's no, um, there's no, I mean, you know, the cynical view of politics is there's no built-in lobby for consumers uh, that, that has deep pockets that, uh, you know, pays to have lawmakers pay attention to them. Right. Um, I mean, you know that from your efforts with Renew Missouri and mm-hmm. and and the the efforts of uh, the Cons- Consumers Council of Missouri right. over the, over the years, you know, fighting rate increases and that sort of thing. It's it's always, uh, you know, small underfunded uh, consumer groups going up against the very very deep pockets of the utilities and some of their allies, and so yeah. uh, you know, all the money's on the other side, and uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter how much the the stories of senior citizens on a, a fixed income being stuck mm-hmm. with higher bills. You know, right. that story sells. That story is meaningful. Uh, yeah. You know, schools losing tax dollars, all sorts of things that that happen uh, with with rate increases. Um, all of the money, including some of the money for organizations that you might think otherwise would support um, clean energy and consumer policy. So like one of the big uh, shareholders for some of these utilities companies are uh, teacher and state employee pension funds, which are, which are major investors. Um, Yeah, that's true. They make, they make money on the, on the shareholder side. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so even though their members uh, are consumers that might, generally speaking, endorse, uh, you know, holding utility companies accountable. Mm. Uh, the, the, the place that holds their retirement funds uh, tends to be on the side of the big utility companies in these debates. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's right. And I mean, like, I can think of like the people I think of who are real advocates there, um, most of them are gone. Uh, Gary Romine, Doug Leibla, Rob Schaff. Jill Shoup is going to be gone here after this session, uh, but she is probably going to get replaced by Tracy McCreary, who I, I put as an advocate for consumers. But that's, I mean, I'm sure there's others. But those are the people that come off the top of my head that have been doing this in the six or six years or so I've been doing this work. Well, what's what's mattered in the last few years during these big debates are that there were some powerful Republicans in the Senate, mm-hmm. primarily from Southeast Missouri, um, that. Um, had uh, well-funded uh, the Naranda aluminum plant on their side so that yeah. there was a little bit of 
big, powerful money going against big, powerful money because they were Ameren's biggest customer or close to it, at least. Right. And and would fight against the rate increases. But, uh, you know, Naranda closed yep. um, and and those state senators are now gone um, mm-hmm. out of the legislature. And I'm just not sure there's anybody, uh, you know, if you don't have in the Missouri legislature, a powerful Republican champion in the Senate on your side, then the utilities are going to roll you. And, uh, you know, that's, that, that tends to be my concern as it relates to there, there, there being some balance in legislation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think Naranda did change a lot uh, about this because it did that, you know, I think when they start having their trouble with their, um, with the ice storm and with the being sold to a, a venture capitalist was like in 2009. Yeah. And that's when they started seeing like a lot of real like power struggle between them because they did count for 10% of Ameren's power. They use more power than the city of Springfield did in a day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It was crazy how big, how much power they used. Yeah. And I, I think that that was such a bloody fight. And fun fact, I became public counsel the day they filed bankruptcy, which was wow, wow, not a fun day to start that job. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, it was it was really it was really. But I do think when you talk to people, that did change a lot of it. And now with that gone, um, and with the legislature being kind of out of whack as far as like how many, you know, like there's not really an effort to like kind of get any kind of balance with anything. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the, you had these weird, strange bedfellows, these these mm-hmm. these big consumers of electricity that were major corporations that that might have in 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 other circumstances been on the side of 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 Ameren in terms of a lot of philosophy. Right. But, uh, you know, they stood with Anheuser-Busch and, 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 and other major corporate users of electricity to try to hold Ameren at bay a little bit. Right. Um, and I, I don't think those major corporate utility consumers uh, have the same uh, alliances with the, the, the small underfunded consumer organizations that they used to. Yeah. I think MIEC, which is like the group on the eastern side of the state, after 2018 with that bill passing, they kind of receded a bit. I mean, I think they're back. Um, I, I see them in rate cases now. They're involved with the uh, Ameren rate case we have right now. And I, I really like the people that work in that group. The lawyers there and uh, some of their experts are really good, professional at what they do. And again, uh, you know, even though like I'm for <laughs> these wind projects, I am for, you know, making sure that uh, they are continued. Um, I do think it benefits everybody for the public council to be well-funded and to be robust. I think it's good for these industrial customers to be there. I think consumer council is really important to be there. Uh, you know, they, I mean, oh, look, uh, consumer council is having a fundraiser on October 27th. I should pitch that. So they're going to be, so if you want to go to that, I can get, I'll put details on that uh, for this email as well. I think we're going to be there too. We're actually going to be working with consumer council on an issue uh, that we'll be hopefully able to share at the first of the year, which I'm excited about. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So yeah, you're right. I mean, I, and ultimately in the end, all of this works if everybody is like doing their job. The, 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 the game should not be fixed to benefit one group. Of course, I always feel like no matter where you go, 
whatever state you're in. I mean, you know, the utilities get a lot of preference by the law. They do. They, they do. do. Yeah. I mean, there's well, that's why my my um, my gut instinct is if the utilities are for it, I'm against it. I mean, that just you know, based on based on, and, and, yeah. and and that was sort of the nature of 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 the bat column. But I appreciate yeah. the point that you're making in terms of hey, let's not um, lose sight of the idea that we should do as much as we can to some degree to, to reward the utilities when they do actually move towards clean energy. And, yeah. and, and I appreciate the, the, the balance of the other side of that argument. Cause listen, that's, and that's a, that is a big fight that, I'll, you know, a lot of people believe in as well. I know it's something, you know, look, you've got a lot of really good reporters at St. Louis post dispatch that have, that have put attention on this. Bryce Gray has been on this podcast before, Jacob Barker used to do it. I'm not sure what Jacob does now. What, he still works for you guys, doesn't he? Yeah, he still works for us. He's he's primarily doing investigative type work. Ah, um, and so, uh, you know, he, he's covering lots of beats at this point. Yeah. And, you know, and I mean, I, and I think you and I have kind of talked about this in, you know, in our personal conversations. But, you know, one of the other big problems is with, with this is we just don't have you know, St. Louis Post-Dispatch is really focused on this, but a lot of newspapers just can't. Right. Well, and, 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 and I think back to when when I first got hired by the Post-Dispatch, 2008, and I was yep. uh, working in the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Um, when I would write about a utility issue, I would have a colleague downtown who often was writing on it too, and we would work together. So hmm. when I would write about utilities from the legislative standpoint, Michael Sorkin uh, was working in downtown St. Louis and was also working on utility issues. And the two of us would collaborate and um, you know, be able to look at it from both the St. Louis perspective and the state perspective. And uh, you know, we don't have those numbers, not just at the Post-Dispatch, but right. the Kansas City Star, the the Springfield News Leader, the Columbia Daily Tribune. I mean, none of us have the numbers that we used to have to focus on some of those issues. And so, so issues like utility coverage that are really, uh, you know, full of what my, my old colleague, uh, Virginia Young, used to call spinach issues, you know, where you got to mm-hmm. eat your spinach to understand, you know, some of these issues. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you know, there just isn't enough, uh, you know, firepower within the, 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 the newspaper industry these days uh, to really cover these yeah. issues with a lot of heft. I mean, you know, we used to have reporters, uh, Jeffrey Tomich is another one who would, you oh, know, yeah. sit in on the, the, the rate increase hearings and be able to report the, you know, the details of those sorts of things and stay on top of uh, uh, all, all of this sort of thing. And, and now, you know, we just don't, we just don't have the numbers to be able to, you know, we, we, we cover these issues, but not with the depth and the detail that we used to. Right. And I think the Missouri independent is starting to do it. I mean, they're a not-for-profit, you know, the news leader, I mean, sadly, you know, they, they, they have a lot of people rotate in and out of there, but they got one person that works on, you know, Jeff city issues. Yeah. It's, and, you know, I don't know if you heard, there's going to be a not-for-profit newspaper launching in Springfield. Have you heard that? I did not hear that. I did not hear that. Journal Steve, Steve Popkin, who. Okay. Okay. Columnist from down. Yeah. Yeah. He's, He's going to join them. I think Tom Carlson is behind it. I don't okay. know that for sure. A former mayor 
Uh, so I hear from my little birdies down in Springfield. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's going to be interesting, I think, for them to have uh, a second news source in Springfield. I hope it doesn't end up eating, you know, I hope they don't end up kind of cannibalizing themselves. But uh, I think it's, I, I, I'm hopeful. Cool. I'm hopeful. That's interesting to hear. Yeah, I did, not, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, but I think you're, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, like I always, you know, I always like every once in a while get like flustered, like why aren't, why aren't reporters or the newspapers talking about this or that or whatever? And I realize I have to stop and realize like you know, they're getting, you know, revenues down, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough out there right now. I don't know what solves that. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. I, I wish I did. <laughs> oh, man. Hopefully, hopefully some people smarter than me uh, at a level above me. <laughs> We'll figure that out one of these days. Yeah, gosh, I hate to end on such a bummer. Uh, <laughs> why, why don't we start with something? That- let's 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 end on a positive note. Read my book. Yeah, <laughs> Profit and Punishment by Tony Messenger. Google it. Buy it. Yeah. So okay. So you, how long did it take you to write this? Let me just ask you a couple of questions about that. So uh, you know, I mean, it's I I, I worked on. So the columns that won me the Pulitzer were published uh, in in 2018, and 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 those I worked on those all year long, and those columns were at least the basis for the idea for the book. Uh, if you yeah. read any of those columns, you'll see some of those characters in the book. But sure. but I turned it into a you know a national uh, look at this problem with characters okay. from all over the country. So. I, I started in 2019 thinking about the book and working on a book proposal, uh, mm-hmm. went through several iterations of, of trying to get that book proposal to an agent, finally sold the book to St. Martin's in March of 2020, mm. um, spent the next year uh, going through various you know drafts of the book. So, so really year, year and a half uh, uh, to write the book. I think I got my final edits back from my editor in, in April of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and then still had to go through legal review and a couple different, you know, uh, right. copy editing and all that sort of thing. But sure. so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a long process. It was a, 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 a two, three year process from, um, inception to to publishing yeah it's amazing so but this is has something that's a national scope to this story yes yes i follow i follow three uh single mothers who got caught up in the criminal justice system because they owed debt Uh, a woman from oklahoma a woman from missouri and a woman from south carolina Mm -hmm. and and i focus on their cases and tell the larger story uh about the criminalization of poverty from bail to the underfunded public defender system and primarily focus on, on this idea of fines and fees uh, that, that lead to people, you know, poor people in particular ending up in jail primarily because they're poor and not because they keep committing other offenses. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's as someone who's worked in the judicial system as a lawyer and as a judge, it is something that I don't think people quite realize how pervasive it is. Um, and I, I, that's all I'll say about it publicly. <laughs> yeah, it is, but, but it, it is, it is worth exploring a lot more of. And so I, I'm glad that your book is covering that and yeah, folks go buy it, make a good stocking stuffer. Absolutely. For Christmas, just in time for Christmas. That's right. Um, Tony messenger. Thank you again for being on our little podcast. Hey, thanks great. for having me. I appreciate it. And, uh, 
I will uh, go back and listen to this conversation and 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 think about a follow up column because I love the, the 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 balance back and forth, uh, you know, between making sure that you know in the end what you're concerned about here is making sure that clean energy doesn't get the trip doesn't doesn't get lost in the debate. Yeah, there's just so many problems that to watch after, isn't there? Yep. Man. It's always something, but this is, but this is, you know, this is one of the reasons that I like, even though sometimes I hate myself for, for falling into writing about utilities. Mm. Um, I, I, I like writing about this issue because it does cross through Democrat Republican. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it is a, it is a, an interesting balance uh, between, um, you know, how do we make the energy system work for everybody and make it more equitable? And, and I, I, I tend to fall on the side of consumers trying to make it harder for uh, the investor-owned utility companies yeah. that are basically monopolies to, to really control the system. Um, and yet, I, I get their arguments when they say, hey, if you want Missouri's economy to hum, we have to work. You know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's why it's uh, a complicated, interesting issue, but. It is. I mean, look, Renew Missouri for the longest time fought utilities tooth and nail. And now, you know, we've kind of, you know, 2017 is when they really started making this concerted effort. And then we became more like trying to, you know, you know, help that and make it better. Like, cause it's not perfect. I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, but trying to like right. make it as optimal as possible. And that is not the, I mean, trust me, that is not how Renew Missouri was created back in 2006. I mean, it was more like it was going to fight the utilities, but now right. we find they're moving in good directions. They're not perfect. And certainly we still spend a lot of time with the municipals and the co-ops who are not doing a very good job with this stuff. Uh -huh. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's tricky. And I, and I mean, I find that the, the lawmakers that are supportive of this are the least likely people, you know, I was at a Mosia conference last week where, you know, a person that had championed a lot of pro solar bills that were like about, you know, trying to make sure customers had access to solar was Eric Burleson, not wow. a liberal, no. not a liberal by any no. stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but there he was. He's, and he's really good on this stuff. So it's a weird, it's a weird world. Weird time. We yeah, live it really in. is really is. Well, Tony, thanks, hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate and, it. And thank you all for listening. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to us on all major platforms, leave a review and share on your social media platforms on behalf of Renew Missouri. This is James Owen wishing you uh, a pleasant tomorrow.